I'm Hannah Kim. And I'm Johnny Varecha. And welcome to the 71st episode of the Even Little Things podcast. Yes, today we'll be talking about the women we admire. Yeah, so if that sounds interesting, stick around. Before we start, we just want to remind everyone that we're not professionals in any field and that this podcast is just to talk about the big and even the little things teens go through. So without further ado, let's jump to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast, or if you're new here, welcome. Um, Duani and I have been, <laughs> I guess, trying to do this episode for a long time because I know since the last time, okay, so for context, this is part two of Women We Admire. Um, so ever since we did our first one, we just like loved it so much and the response we got was so nice and everyone was just like talking about it and we were like I I just feel so good to talk about like women we admire and why we admire them and uplift like other women and so we were like so excited to do a second one and I was like thinking about it I was like we planned to do that so long ago we never did it so I just think it's like a perfect opportunity now just to do it especially because um we're actually in Women's History Month. Um, I forgot, like, yeah, we're in March. So it's Women's History Month. And I just thought it'd be like a perfect, great um, time to do it. And I'm, I, we're just so excited about it because, you know, there's so many amazing women, not just even the woman we're going to mention in today's episode, just like in general. And it's just so fun to just uplift them and talk about them. So we're really excited for it. Um, but before we get into that, it's time to do our favorite ramble um and just talk about things so Duani, what thing do you have to talk about um this is like our first week back after break and it was not an exciting or a fun one and it's been raining like so much in washington that it's just like so dull and like just so boring and then the worst part of it all is you dub decisions because they come out either this Friday or next Friday. So just like the anticipation and like the worrying and like, my God, am I going to get in? Am I not? And then like, you know, it, it, it's not embarrassing, but like Loki feels embarrassing, like go to school and there's all these people that are like, oh my God, I got in. And you're like, well, I'm really proud of you. But I'm, like, I am of like the people that get in. But it's also kind of like sad because like, you know, you really wanted to get in, but you didn't. And so I'm just really scared, honestly. I think that's like the only thing that's happened this week. It's just, it's just been in the back of my mind. Am I going to get in? Am I not? Yeah. I mean, oh, for those who don't have context, UW is University of Washington. Um, I know that there's a lot of places that are called UW just because like, um, like University of Wisconsin and things like that. But we're talking about UW, like University of Washington, because that is our like, um, like, it's not our state university. It's not Washington State University, but it is a universe, like a really big, nice university that a lot of people in our state go to. Um, and so it's, um, but it's like a little bit like more prestigious. So a lot of people apply and not everyone gets in. So it's really nerve wracking to hear back from them. And they give a really ambiguous timeline, like first through 15th. So we've all just been kind of sitting on eggshells and I completely agree. Like I'm really nervous about it. And um, I know that there's a chance that I won't get in. And that really is disappointing. And I will be happy for people who get in. But I understand what Duane is saying. Like, it's completely like, like there's, okay, you can be happy for someone that they got in and also be disappointed that you didn't get the result you wanted to get, you know? And so, I don't know. I've been just checking the portal every day and I've been really nervous about it. And I know that I have other decisions and other things like that, but it's definitely like one of my top choices. So I'm very, 
I'm very anxious to hear back from them. And if you guys were wondering, Duani and I are going to do like a whole like college college episode series I guess once we figure out everything because right now a lot of things are up in the air like we don't know where we're going and we don't know where we got into and so once we figure that out we are totally going to do one of those episodes for you guys because I know a lot of people have been asking and so thank you for being patient because I know that it's like you know people just want to know and you know what I want to know too like I'm super nosy like whenever someone in our school like commits to a college I'm like oh my gosh like tea not like tea but like oh my gosh it's so exciting to hear back and like hear that and like know that they know where they're going because right now like for me I really just want to know like where I'm going and I know that I can't know until like April um officially but it just I don't know it makes me happy to see that other people are like committing and like are really happy so um, I know what I know what it feels like because like whenever someone like changes their bio I'm like oh my gosh they're going to this place and it's exciting so yeah I agree with Duani it's been definitely very nerve-wracking and I've just been sitting on eggshells and things like that but oh um something for Duani that happened maybe I'll let her tell you this but last week we were talking about her driver's test and oh yeah so I think this Tuesday I forget if I went on like Monday or Tuesday, um, but I went and got my license. And if you like to take driver's ed, apparently like you can get your license immediately, but I didn't take driver's ed. So now I have to wait like up to 30 days in the mail to like get my license. I do have like a temporary temporary license, but it's like a huge piece of paper. And, like it's kind of weird to like, carry around, but I can now drive by myself. And it's been, you know, two years, but I finally did it. Yeah, congrats. Duani passed her test. I'm so proud of her. And it's just been such a long time coming. And I'm really proud of her because she did a lot of practice. And so we just want to update you guys because a lot of people were asking. And I was like, yeah, she passed. It's been so fun. Um, and it's just been so exciting. And I can't wait for her to like drive me around. And also, see, my driver's test is um next Saturday, next Sunday. So oh, I'm kind of nervous. I literally do not know how to back okay it's not even parallel parking parallel parking is a problem but backing around the corner backing around the freaking corner like okay I I just can't I can't do it like it I literally am not good at it at all like just incompetent in that aspect so I've been trying to practice but definitely something I'm not like proud of or good at yet you're definitely gonna pass like I failed backing around the corner I failed parallel parking I failed like something else and Hannah's been like practicing a lot, like way more than I have. So you're definitely going to pass, like 100% going to pass. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not sure, but I, I hope so. That way we can be two driving gals together. Um, that would be really fun um, that we both can drive and then we can do, you know, more fun things together. Um, but in other news, I'm trying to think of other things to say before we start the episode. I guess... Um, I've been I've been reading a lot I've read how many books have I read this year let me check my goodreads oh my gosh if you guys didn't know like if you're new here or whatever um I'm obsessed with goodreads I like use it at least 15,000 times a day so (laughs) I just really love that app um I just like I like it a lot because it's not an ad or anything but I like it a lot because you can just like mark everything rate books find books all this stuff okay anyways so apparently I've read 15 books this year already which is kind of crazy. I don't know how I did that, but I've been reading a lot and um, I don't know. It's just been a lot of like, not like fun, but like really therapeutic because I like to read. And um, a book that I read that like people, a lot of people have read 
um, recently is, um, I guess on TikTok, people have been talking about it is like Terms and Conditions, which is the second like Dreamland Billionaires book. And I really didn't like it. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I didn't like it. Um, and then I also read um, the Bromance Book Club. And I did like that one. That one was cute. If Dwani, if you are thinking about reading that, I think you should read that. And then I read a mystery. It's supposed to be a thriller, but it's really not. It's called The Last Thing He Told Me. And it was really dumb. And so I gave it a three. And then I just finished before we got on this recording. It's kind of embarrassing. I literally just finished the last page and then texted Duani, I'm ready to record um, Mr. Wrong Number by Lynn Painter, Painter. And I think that one is really good. Like I gave it a four out of five. So that's what that's what I've been reading recently. Yeah, I've definitely been in like a book slump. So like I'm hoping to like try out some new books. And then like in my class for like um, English class, we started reading inferior chinatown it's like a satire book on like race and stuff like that and it sounds really interesting and it's like um written like a screenplay like a um like you know like a script or like a screenplay for a movie it's like written in that way um so it's like a like a different concept like i've never read before because that's gonna be interesting and then definitely like one or two books that hannah said um i really want to read but like right now I just feel like I'm in a book slump and that like I'm so worried about like other things that I just like cannot concentrate on reading like especially college like I feel like after like I have everything figured out then like I can get back to reading just like now I just feel like I'm constantly worrying and it's like driving me crazy yeah I know and like when I hear other people talk about college at school it like makes me like not cringe but like, it makes me so anxious, like more anxious than I know I need to be like, whenever someone else is talking about it, and like talking about all this stuff, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't I, I, I can't deal with it. Like, I'm so stressed out about it. Um, but we're holding on. And like, I get so jealous of people like who've already like committed, and they like already know where they're going and everything. Yeah. And it's like, I just want to know. I know. I know I've just I've been trying like not to think about it too much because my mom's like there's no point in worrying about it honestly for the both of us I think that it's important to remember that like even though it's like a huge thing we've already sent in the application we did all that we could good uh, we did all that we could do and it's kind of out of our hands and all we have to do is kind of wait which sucks but I think we did everything that we possibly could have done and I'm really proud of us either way so that's something I think we should end on with this ramble um so yeah i think we should just get right into the episode um woman we admire part two so um duani and i both picked two women that we admire and we're going to talk about them um give you a little bio talk about why we admire them you know give them a little spotlight um so duani do you want to go first sure this woman is like very 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 famous and i just like remember because i was thinking about like the woman I admire for like this episode and I just remembered because my I was talking to my mom about other stuff and I just remembered like how much like Indian people like really really love like Princess Diana like it's just so crazy because like if you ask like a lot of Indian people like they love Princess Diana and like I didn't really know that like even my mom and my dad like they grew up and like loving Princess Diana like everyone knew who she was um and so I was like you know what I'm gonna talk about her because I know a lot of people know her and she really is like truly inspiring and like changed so much about like you know living in Britain being a part of um 
you know, like the whole parliament stuff. So I'm sure you guys all know who Princess Diana is. Um, and if you don't, like I'll give you a little bio. So Princess Diana, she was the princess of Wales and, you know, part of the British royal family. And she married Charles, Prince of Wales, who was um, the uh, apparent like heir to the British throne. And she was also the mother of Prince William and Prince Harry. And I'm sure a lot of us also know who that is as well. Um, and so it's been, I think, about 21 years since she passed away and it's been a long time but like still even after that like even after two decades I still think that she has like a really big impact on women everywhere and not just women also like I know there's a lot of people that love her as well and um I guess for like what she was like first like very well known for is like breaking like not hiding behind the walls of like a palace because you know, lots of like women who are part of um, being in the palace or part of the royal um, family didn't really like speak out much or used to like hide themselves in the palace walls and stuff like that. And instead she like used her position to like bring um, awareness to like so many important um, diseases, um, humanitarian issues and things like that. And um, just, like I said, like, for all those efforts that she made and everything that she did, she's still very well known for that. I think one of the biggest things she did that was very inspirational was she destigmatized AIDS. And um, she was like a very passionate supporter of AIDS. She visited patients in hospitals all across the country. And she made sure that like the media captured her embracing. Like, because back then, you people were so afraid to touch people who had AIDS because they were scared that if you touch them, you would also get AIDS. So she was like the first like real, um, you know, like higher class member who changed the public opinion. And she like shook hands with people who had AIDS, gave hugs to people who were struggling with HIV. And she also like quoted, HIV does not make a person dangerous. You can shake their hands and give them a hug. Heaven knows they need it. And so she really changed a lot about that. And then she also um, raised awareness for leprosy, leprosy, hope I'm saying that right. And then like similar to that, again, she visited patients, fundraised, and like really defied the taboos surrounding diseases because again, back then people were so scared to touch people that had like these certain diseases, even though you cannot get that disease from like skin to skin contact or but just by like, touching them, you would not get these diseases. And so people were so afraid to do that, but she wasn't, like she really stepped out. She really, um, you know, really changed the public opinion on these issues. And um, even now, like her son, especially like Prince Harry, he still like continues to um, take after his like mother to, um, work with like humanitarian issues and do like the same things that she was doing um she also like campaigned to like ban landmines um she was walking through like a former minefield and like her effort her efforts for that won her Nobel Peace Prize unfortunately it was after her death but still um she redirected media attention to Angola to raise awareness of mind issue or mind of landmines she was an activist for like homeless youth. And another thing she was very well known was known for was her fashion. It was something that 
wasn't very common within the royal family to dress like that. And there were certain like people who did not appreciate her dressing like that in the royal family. But she really like stepped out and like showed people like this different side to fashion. And she, like her outfits are so famous and they're so, her outfits are just so beautiful. So like another thing she did was just bring this like different aspect of fashion, inspiring um, young girls everywhere. Um, and she like sold a lot of her um, iconic dresses to raise funds for charity. And then I guess like the most famous thing we all know her for is like standing up to the royal family because we all know the royal family didn't really like her that much um, because she like rebelled against like the deep rooted traditions of the British royal family. Um, again, with like the working with AIDS charities, um, visiting like sick people in the hospital, traveling to different countries to raise awareness of different issues. Um, and she was an advocate for women. Um, she would visit centers and sit with female youths. She would um, chat with them and she really wanted to help them become strong women themselves. And again, like with the strong woman, she also, um, you know, wanted to be a strong woman and she defined the norm of being a royal wife. She was um, in the public eye. She um, refused to like turn a blind eye to like, her husband's infidelity because everyone knows Prince Charles is having an affair. Um, and truly like she just changed so much and always, um, I don't know, she was just always so charming. And I guess that's why like a lot of people like truly love her because she really showed people that just because you're part of the royal family, they're not all rich, all snobby, like all, um, you know, like like being better than like regular citizens and all that kind of things that a lot of people would associate royal families with. Um, she really, really showed us that she was human too. And that, you know, she she was just like this because it's, it's really hard to like relate to like royal family members because we're not them. We, we're not, we'll never be them, but just for her to turn to the public eye, just to like show everyone that, you know, just because we're said things, we don't have to follow them, breaking rules of like deep-rooted traditions, um, meeting people with diseases, spreading awareness, raising money, traveling for different humanitarian issues. And I think she's just such a great inspiration to women, um, you know, by telling them that you can do things and that you don't have to, you know, be stuck listening to others, be stuck in things that you know are wrong when um, you have so much potential to like achieve so much. Yeah. I mean, I love Princess Diana so much. My mom and I, okay, my mom is like really obsessed with um, the crown. And so from that TV show, um, which is based on the royal family, she's been like following like news with Princess Diana and all that stuff. And she just really, my mom just really loves Princess Diana. And so do, so do I. And it was just such a huge tragedy when she died. I know that we weren't alive, but I still like kind of feel I think the whole world still like kind of feels that effect. And it was just such a huge thing. And she is such like a beautiful person. And, you know, all I can say is like, may she rest in peace. And you're right. She is not only like a fashion advocate, like, not sorry, no, I meant to say, I meant to, I switched my word around. I meant to say she's not only a fashion icon, but she's an advocate um, for the voiceless and things like that. And she was just truly a kind soul. So I would say that is, that is also a woman that I deeply admire. 
Um, so yeah. Um, okay, so for my first woman that I want to talk about, um, she's not exactly like very mainstream. Um, and her name is Emily Henry. And she is a author. So if you have been on, uh, I guess, TikTok, book talk, or if you're just a huge reader, I'm sure you've heard of her books. Um, her two most like famous books, I would say, are Beach Read and People We Meet on Vacation. And People We Meet on Vacation is one of my favorite books of all time. This year for Christmas, um, I actually, oh, actually for her birthday, I gave Duani a copy of People We Meet on Vacation and I annotated it. Like I put some words in there. And so, um, I just I just love her books so much like they're just my favorite and so yeah she is known for being like a romance novelist um and she also has some like young adult books I have not read yet but I'm really excited to get into um those books are The Love That Split the World, A Million Junes, When the Sky Fell on Splendor, Hello Gr and then uh, a novel that she published with someone else called um someone else named Brittany Cavallero called Hello Girls and um so she um so yeah she just writes novels and she lives in Cincinnati and she studied at Hope College um and she was like a full-time writer and proofreader before she was um a novelist and then she wrote several young adult novels as I mentioned before switching over to the adult fiction genre and I know that there's a lot of authors that do that and I really admire them for it because for it's like really I would say writing young adult and writing adult fiction is just so it's so different it's so different and there's so many different like audiences because I know people who specifically don't like reading adult romance they only like reading young adult so it's a completely different like audience change um a different like you're writing for different people, I would say. And I just really admire Emily Henry because not only is she just a wonderful writer, but she's just such a, like an amazing, kind person. Like I follow her on Instagram and I see all her updates and she's just really real with what the writing process is like for her. She talks about how sometimes she gets writer's block and she interacts with fans and she supports local businesses. And on top of that, I really just admire her for writing romance novels because um, there is this huge stigma with... Um, books in general and I say specifically romance novels because a lot of people think that if you read books like you're nerdy or you're just weird and I think that has changed a lot due to TikTok and a huge stigma that is still I think still prevalent even though books are you know more considered like I, I, I guess it's not like the worst thing to be a reader, you know, um, but I think there's still a huge stigma with romance novels. Like it's like, ew, why are you reading romance? Like today, I actually have an example like today even in one of my classes, I won't say which one because then it's going to like out who the person is. But one of my teachers was like, oh, like some girl was like reading a book called Autobiography by Christina Lauren. And she picked it up and used it as an example for like a textbook. Like she was like, oh, you're going to see this in the history. She was just talking about like textbooks. And then she picked up the book as an example to show like a fake textbook. And she was like, oh, sorry. I, I know that this is like a trashy romance novel that I picked up, but I really meant to just say like, I'm showing you example for a textbook. And the fact that she like even called it a trashy romance novel, I was like, yes, romance novels can be really tr like trash. And they aren't like, you know, okay. Romance novels aren't like, of course, they're not like the Iliad, you know, it's not like, 
the greatest work of fiction or whatever. But I think romance novels are really meaningful to a lot of people. They're meaningful to me. I like reading them. And I don't think that we should ever demean things that people are interested in, especially things that specifically a lot of women are interested in. Because I think a lot of romance novels are geared towards women. Um, if you ever like look at Goodreads and things like that, they have like women's fiction on there and things like that. And it's because a lot of these women, a lot of these books are written by women for women. And so I think when people degrade romance novels they are really degrading something that women like and you see that with a lot of different things like you see that with music you see that with tv shows like specific things like if someone catches you watching reality tv they're like oh you're such a girl like things like that I just feel like it's weird that we demean women for enjoying the things that they enjoy and so I really just admire Emily Henry for like you know, she she supports other women authors and she supports romance novelists and she is one herself and she's really vulnerable and she just writes such amazing books and she doesn't apologize for writing romance and she doesn't try to like hide it. And um, she's just very vocal and I appreciate someone who's just so strong and just advocates for other women and things like that. And also um, it's really hard to get a successful book out there. Like she has been on the New York Times like bestselling list um, for like a lot of weeks now with both her books, like in the top 10. And it is so hard to like sell books and write them and get deals these days. And it's just, it just shows, like it just shows her talent. And, and um, I just, I just love finding authors and um, I don't know, I kind of feel like they're my friends almost. And um, yeah, I just, I just really appreciate her and the work that she's done. And, you know, as someone who myself likes to write and likes to read, it's just, it makes me feel good to know that there's other people like who feel the same way as me and, you know, appreciate novels and romance novels specifically. So yeah, that's why I admire Emily Henry. I love her books. And then I love the book that Hannah gave me. Like it sits on like my shelf, like by itself, like you can see it because it's just, it's such a wonderful gift. And also, I do agree with you. And it's still crazy how like every single thing that women do, we get shamed for, whether it's doing makeup, reading, watching TV, it seems like everyone criticizes everything that women do. And it feels really difficult. And like, it's just so hard to do things without like being criticized. And no one should feel that way. Like we should be allowed to do what we want without, you know, constantly being criticized constantly being told that oh this is bad this is weird whatever so I definitely admire Emily Henry too yeah and then um for my last woman I picked um Halima Aden I hope I'm saying her last name right I don't know if it's Aden or Aden but um I actually like saw her on like this TikTok video and apparently she's like been breaking so many like um like how do I not like stereotypes but like so many things in like the fashion industry and stuff and she became the first contestant in Miss USA 2016 beauty pageant to wear a hijab and bikini and that's like a huge deal because if you think about it how many times if you've like watched Miss USA or even like glanced at it has seen a woman in a hijab and to think that like people are finally embracing all cultures including all cultures and diversity into um fashion and beauty um and things like that is just so iconic and then 
She also became the first hijab-wearing model to sign with a global modeling agency, IMG, which is like one of the biggest modeling agencies that have signed like so many famous people. And then she was also the first to walk at New York Fashion Week for Yeezy, which is um, Kanye West's brand. So it's like a huge name brand. And she was the first um, hijabi woman to walk that runway. And all of this happened like in like the last three four years so the, to think that in the last four years she's the only woman and the first one to be a hijab um to be a hijabi and like breaking all these things and all these new records and um you know showing girls that they can also be part of these industries that have for so long made it seem like if you're um, a woman of color, if you're from a different ethnicity, that you do not belong in these industries. But that's not true. And then she also became the first hijab wearing model to make the cover of Vogue twice. First one was for the Vogue of Arabia and then um, British Vogue. And then she was also, and she also like afterwards um, was in sports, uh, sorry, in Sports Illustrated. And then at that point, she already became like a UNICEF ambassador. She was a go-to go voice on diversity in fashion industry. And then another thing about her is that she grew up in a refugee camp in Kakuma, Kenya. I hope I said that right. And so she's also like showing women that you can come from hardships and that, you know, it's not easy being a refugee and then coming to America and, you know, building a life for yourself, but just showing that to other women that, you know, you can do these things that um, it's, it's difficult, but you can do it. And even though you don't see that representation all the time, you can become that representation because again, she's like the first um, hijabi woman to be in Miss USA, first hijabi woman to walk New York runway for Yeezy, to be in the cover of um, Vogue and all these different things. And it's just, it's so, it's so cool how she's giving a voice to like those who don't feel like they belong. Cause I know as like a person of color, sometimes, like all the stereotypes and all the things that people have said about my race and ethnicity, it really makes you feel like, oh, people who look like me aren't suited for industries that such as like Hollywood, fashion, um, modeling, like beauty related things, because for so long, like the stereotypes and like the things that have been said have like made me feel that I wasn't pretty, that I was ugly, that, you know, I just, I just wasn't ever meant or anyone who looks like me was meant for these kinds of industries but that's not true you can do that and also along with um her there have been so many like beauty brands that have been started by um muslim founders middle eastern women and just to know how much it's changing and how inclusive and diverse we're being is so inspiring for other women as well because again like, just think about, like, if you are a person of color, um, like, and through my personal experience, like, growing up, there wasn't, like, much Indian representation, and even if there was, it was always, like, the negative stereotypical um, representation, like, example, for example, like, in Disney shows, um, like, the Indian characters were always the stereotypical ones, um, if you think about in like other movies and stuff, there weren't many people who looked like me or in books or in anything like that. 
and media has like a huge impact on us like more than we realize. And so when people watch these things, they grow up thinking that these stereotypes about these people are true and they continue to enforce those stereotypes, not realizing, not realizing how harmful it is. But for like, you know, the people that are growing up now, and I mean, we're growing up too, but like young girls who are like growing up now, it's gonna be so amazing for them to see so much diversity and inclusion. And even though, this like should have been something that was happening years ago it is happening now and so i think it's just amazing how she and like other um brown women are changing um the modeling fashion industry and it's just so inspiring to see yeah that's so inspiring like and i it's crazy because i have not i have never even like heard of her before and I think that's just so crazy because I think there's so much focus on like the same couple famous models and there's nothing wrong with those people like those people are so talented too but it's crazy that like even when they get representation like it's not like those people are like oh super famous everyone talks about them you know and so I think it's just so good to hear about um like women and like people I've never even heard about and learned about their history I think that's just so cool um and yeah I'm glad that you share that um, so my last woman is Lulu Wang, and she is a filmmaker, and I know that a lot of people might not have heard of her, but um, you might have heard of her um, movie that she recently directed um, in 2019, and that movie was called The Farewell, and it had Aquafina in it. I think that was like the big thing, and um, yeah, so Lulu Wang, she's a filmmaker, and she was born actually in Beijing, China, and her father was a Chinese diplomat um, to the USSR, and her mother was a former cultural critic and editor at the Beijing Literary Gazette. So I think she kind of grew up in an influential family, and so she spent most of her early years in Beijing, and then, um, yes, and before migrating to Miami um, in Florida, um, because her father was pursuing like a PhD at the University of Miami. And so a little known fact about her is that she's actually a classically trained pianist. And she started lessons at age four and attended the New World School of Arts. And her parents actually like encouraged her to become a pianist. And her mom like um, before they were able to afford a piano, um, they wanted her to practice. So she took her to the church like every single day so she could practice. And um, but even though she was really good and she was really talented, she, she ultimately decided that she didn't want a music career when she was in college. And but she still ended up like studying it, you know, so she studied music and literature at Boston College. And then she double and then she like double majored and graduated with a major in literature and music. So she was just like multifaceted, mostly talented. And she said that she was inspired to become a filmmaker after watching Steven Schamberg's 2002 film Secretary in her senior year of college. And so after that, she after she got to, um, really um, inspired, she then took like two film production courses and made several like short films when she was in college. And then she like moved to Hollywood after she was done with college and she decided to pursue like her love of writing. And um, yeah, so she's just been really um, into filmmaking and like, like beginning early of her beginning in the early of her career um she she was like 
Um, she created short day in the life videos for legal firms for her startup business. And she would like capture injured victims, daily struggles and mundane activities. And she interviewed many clients and families in an attempt to show like the extent of their injuries. And um, while actually while she was a student at Boston College, she actually received an award for best beginning beginning film award at their um, at their at their college Baldwin Awards for storyteller. And so, yeah, so she actually was, you know, making films and she was helping out making small businesses. And so, yeah, so for a long time, she was kind of like a little known director. Um, and she didn't really get too many big breaks. And in the film industry, it is really hard um to, you know, make it big. And, you know, when you think of movies, like I, I bet you can name like movies that people are like find really successful a lot of those movies are directed and produced by like really famous people already like people industry giants and then within that a lot of those people are men and specifically like you know white men and so it's really hard for like a woman of color to get through there and like become like a big director because in these big industries a lot of people don't take newcomers too seriously because they want to like um stay with the people who like kind of quote-unquote know what they're doing or whatever and so she wasn't really finding like you know too much success um but she was like um like success like box office like globally but she was finding a lot of success like in her like more independent films and her independent scenes and um in 2015 um sorry actually 2014 um, she was awarded the Chaz and Robert Albert Directing Fellowship at the Film Independent Spirit Award. And then at the same year, she was chosen as a Film Independent Project Involved Directing Fellow. And so she was getting really recognized by these like film festivals. And I know you've heard of some of them. And some of these are even like smaller. Like I know people have heard of like Sundance, things like that. Like some of these film festivals were even smaller. And then finally, in around um, 2016, um, Wang wrote a narrative story called What Do you, What You Don't Know for a radio program, This American Life. And I know a lot of you guys have heard of that um, radio program. I listen to it a lot. I really love it. And later that year, um, development began on a feature film based on the story um, with a producer who had actually heard it on the radio. And then in 2017, Wang was chosen to participate in Sundance Institute's Film 2 initiative, which provides guidance for filmmakers creating their second feature film. Um, and so in January of 2019, her, she, The Farewell, which was the second feature film, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, which is a huge, huge deal. And then it was picked up for a world distribution by A24. And so if you don't know, A24 is like a more like indie production company, but they are really up and coming. And a lot of their movies are becoming really popular. And they also recently like produced um, Euphoria. So that's something you don't know, maybe maybe you do know that. And A24 has a lot of really good films. So I'd check them out if I were you. Um, and so, but a lot of the backstory is a lot of, um, so she went to Sundance because a lot of, um, a lot of the major big companies would not pick up the movie. Like they just thought it was too niche. Um, and that's just kind of because, I don't know, they just thought it wouldn't sell. And The Farewell, if you didn't know, is about this girl's family um, who returns to China to 
okay, so basically they go to China because their grandma is dying, but they the grandma doesn't know that she's dying and she thinks that her whole family is there for a wedding because her family members didn't doesn't want her to know that she's like dying and they don't want her to know that they come all to visit her for like a sad reason. They want her to think that someone's getting married. So they kind of like faked a wedding so that they can spend time with someone her because she only has a few left uh weeks left to live and it's kind of sad and um yeah so it's like it was a whole process to get it like picked up and when it finally got picked up by a24 it was just it was just a huge success like it grossed over like three hundred fifty one thousand dollars in the box office and it like opened to that gross and um it was just like everyone was talking about it and it was a standout at the film festival and really big magazines like variety thrillist and rolling stone were talking about it and it was just it was just a big it was a big film and um Aquafina, the main character in the movie, was um, awarded the Golden Globe for Best Actress in that film for musical or comedy um, for the Golden Globe. And then The Farewell also won the Independent Spirit Award for Best Feature at, um, at that award. And then, um, yeah, and then it was just such a, it was like a big deal to her because it was only her second feature film and she's been trying to break into the industry for such a long time. And I think the reason why I really admire her is because The Farewell features like, um, is like an Asian American focused film. Um, It's about like these, it's about like a Chinese, specifically a Chinese Asian American. And even though I'm not Chinese, I really just appreciate anybody who tries to put forward Asian voices and talk about them. Cause I feel like there's just not enough representation in a lot of movies. Like people, like there isn't a lot of Asian people and you don't really get to see any Asian people. And I also respect Lulu Wang because she is an Asian American like woman director and you don't really see a lot of those. Like I don't know another, um, I really don't know. I only know two um, Asian American women directors and I can name like a million like white men um, directors. And so that she like broke into the industry and really um, changed like the way people like saw things because I know for a long time there wasn't even any movies with like huge movies with Asian people in there. Like the biggest thing was like Karate Kid before. Um, yeah, I know. Like before um, like... Um, what was that movie uh, called? Oh my God. Oh, Crazy Rich Asians before that. And this movie, there wasn't really like too much representation and there still isn't really too much representation. And there also isn't like any South, not, not much like, like other, you know, like there's just not enough representation. And I'm so glad that at least we're getting a little bit of representation and people are starting to, you know, not turn such a blind eye on, um, you know, people of color specifically. And so I just really admire Lulu Wang because even though she got like turned down by so many different studios and like um, she said that in like um, a short film she kind of created for it, um, that she kept going and she really went to produce this film and she made it and it got success. And I just really appreciate her and I really admire her. That's so amazing. Like, I've never heard of her, but just to know that women and people, um, women of color are like breaking stereotypes, um, you know, making a name of themselves is just so amazing to hear. And I think every single woman that we heard in this episode is so influential and such a good role model for women. Um, and yeah. 
yeah um if you guys really like this episode make sure to let us know go follow us on instagram at even little things podcast we post a lot on there and be sure to tell us if you like the episode um you can also um leave us a review or follow us on spotify apple music we really appreciate that yeah our podcast is dedicated to sharing advice mistakes confessionals and giving you peace of mind on all things impacting teens today because it's not just doing about you know little things it's us too we hope you'll join us next time bye Thank you.